Welcome to From the Spot, the only podcast with more cups than Tottenham. <laughs> Welcome to From the Spot, the only podcast where in in the pre um, episode meeting, one of the hosts, me. Checks himself out on camera. Hey. <laughs> and, you know, we've been gone for a minute, but a minute's never long enough. In case this is your first time joining us, um, David and that over there is my co-host. Eddie. Thank you and for listening, everybody. Yes, sir. And, you know, it's crazy because we, we've had such a delay between our last and this episode where so much has happened. So we're going to try to talk about as much of the bigger stuff without being a sellout news outlet that only wants to talk about PSG. <laughs> but the listens have gone up. So thank you, everybody who shared us. Um, you know, it's definitely appreciated. Uh, we definitely owe you one. So let, we'll try to be a little better. I mean, work's been crazy as we've discussed lately and our episode that's right fucking eight to five so make sure you get us enough listeners to where we can say eight to five with our whole fucking eight to five with our whole fucking chest exactly um eddie but we're not here to talk about our personal problems well maybe later for me but um we are here to talk about football uh eddie are you ready to discuss this episode's topics Absolutely. Let's jump into footing with our studs up. Yes, sir. I'm ready for that red and to hit the showers. But uh, before that, obviously, we got to get hot and sweaty. Let's start with a bright, bright, bright place, Eddie. A young South American, Central American talent and Moises Caicedo, the young Ecuadorian, getting the bag, signing a long-term extension with Brighton when... He was linked to a move away, talking about he's ready to move on. Eddie, he's saying that Brighton could and should be getting into the Champions League. How are you feeling about the signing? Um, for Moises, I I think it's great. Um, I think he could be a legend at Brighton. Um, not that he couldn't be a legend elsewhere, but I mean. He's already there. Brighton are flying. He had a good World Cup. Alexis had a good World Cup. Um, so I could definitely see him uh, being a big piece of maybe Brighton getting uh, an FA Cup next year, a Carabao Cup next year, you know, getting actual silverware, something Tottenham can't do. So uh, happy for him to get his bag. and. David, correct me if I'm wrong, but they have three games in hand, correct? Uh, let me double check. I believe. They have, because I, I, it is like a crazy amount. Yeah, it is three. I was like, I'm not sure if it's even four, but no, it's for sure three. So um, let me give you those three here, Eddie, before you make your point, because I'm perfect. sure we're thinking the same. So they're playing Leeds, Crystal Palace, and Brentford as the next three. So Brentford is tough. I'm I'm looking at 
at the table right now, and Brentford is right below them, so that's going to be a banger game, actually. But Palace, they should be able to beat, and uh, who would you say the other game in hand was? Brentford. It was a little tougher, in all fairness. No, um, you said Brentford, Palace, and who? Oh, sorry. Um, fucking somebody not important, that's for sure. Um, <clears throat> Crystal Palace, Leeds. It was Leeds. Leeds. Oh, they could beat the shit out of Leeds. So they yeah, could, easy. They could maybe get seven out of nine points. And seven points would... Um, would in fact, what are they on thirty eight? So seven yeah. points would <clears throat> bring them with, up with their goal. To, with their goal difference, they'd be up to fourth. Perfect. So, and I mean, obviously, David, the only challenge is having to make up three games. Your schedule gets really tight. So. How much depth do they actually have? But seriously, if if they get seven out of nine points here, you're legit talking possible Champions League. So, I mean, Caicedo's not too out of pocket, you know? Nah, it's definitely not. Um, I think, honestly, Eddie, I think, <laughs> and I would think, because uh, it's something I would consider... I think Enzo Fernandez's move to Chelsea probably convinced him to stay. Um, yeah. You know, they're similar ages with Enzo being 22, Caicedo being 21. But as we've seen, and, and we'll, we'll obviously talk about later on, um, Enzo is in a team that's struggling. We don't know if they'll play Champions League football next year. Um, still very young, so he kind of has to hope that Gante doesn't immediately take his place on the team. You know, Moises might have been thinking something the same, um, kind of like, I'm only 21, it's easy to bench me if Arteta feels that, you know, what, one of the uh, injured players coming back needs to get his uh, spot back. He's easy to bench and sacrifice, whereas Brighton, he'll definitely be playing they have a legit chance at European football, let's be honest. Um, at worst, the Conference League. Um, and I do believe he hasn't exactly shot himself in the foot. Who's not to say that in another season, maybe two seasons, uh, PSG tries to sign him, Real Madrid, uh, Bayern Munich, you know, he, he, his potential is still there. Playing for Brighton is will do very little harm to him, uh, at least at this stage of his career. What do you think of that? Absolutely, a hundred percent agree. And as far as like Real Madrid and Bayern Munich go, you know they love themselves a foreigner. Um, Real Madrid loves more of a South American type. <clears throat> um, Bayern Munich obviously loves more of a of a European. But who knows? I mean. Literally, like, um, two seasons from now, we, we could be talking about him, you know, playing a big role at a quote-unquote big club, you know? So, who yeah. knows? I definitely feel that. Um, Eddie, 
let's move on to a different player uh, on the opposite end of a spectrum. Somebody a little bit older, uh, 32 years old, who you would feel you know should be making better decisions. Let's talk about Kyle Walker making a dick of himself uh, <laughs> recently. Very. Uh, videos, <laughs> yeah, videos online being circulated on social media by, um, don't be surprised by the sun, um, showing Kyle Walker exposing himself at a bar in Manchester on a night out. Um, there's also, you know, talks about him making out with somebody who was not his wife, but um, allegedly the police are are checking the um, video cameras or might even interview people as they probe the allegation. Eddie, if you're Pep, how would you feel about Kyle Walker exposing you to this kind of news? Are we talking um, Pep the human or Pep the manager? Because I feel like those are two separate people. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of curious about both, but I feel like we're on the same page that when it comes to the manager, he's not going to really care. Um, I feel like I can speak for David here on this point. Um, do not expose your penis to anybody until they ask you to. <laughs> um, Don't do it in public. That's fucking hey. weird. No, well, like, what if the other person's into that exhibition and shit, you feel me? So, like, then, like, hey, like, it's whatever. But um, <laughs> whether it's, like, a dick pic in person, like, your penis should only be out via request, not by your, like, decision-making. And don't give me that, oh, he was drunk. We've all been drunk. I was a super drunk in college, and I I never pulled my dick out, you know. Right. Um, at the bar, so um, Pep should be appalled either way, but um, David's gonna get this reference um more than most, but Pep is super silver. He he, he may not have any hair up here, but he's got gray in the beard, so. He's super silver. He's not going to give a shit. Especially with him loaning Cancelo out recently. It's not like he can, he can afford to bend Kyle Walker. You know? Dang. I mean, you're right. He's definitely going to do that. Uh, you know, well, there's no denying it. I, I do think he's going to defend him, not care, say that's kind of his problem. Um, but... He probably should care. Um, you know, that's just me. Um, this is a, a footballer who has also been like Eddie. He was in the news prior to this coming out about how, you know, he's in public purposely doing public displays of affection to kind of like remend things with his wife because he has this history of cheating um i don't know if you remember not that long ago at least it doesn't feel that long ago he was reported to have been at an orgy with other england player english players yeah so he's always doing shit like this 
Like, uh, at what point, as a manager, do you say, it's like, hey, man, you're a grown-ass man. Like, at least be better at hiding this. Okay, two things. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but that orgy story, that was during lockdown. No, that was COVID year lockdown type shit. Yeah, it was. That's, that's wild. So, man cheats so much, he risked getting COVID just to get some strange. And then, uh, like, also, like, hearing you say that he has, like, you know, he does public display, displays of affection. It, like, it makes me think he has a bit of, like, Ryan gigs to him and shit, you know? But, like, like he's an asshole? Yeah, but like, <laughs> but like, at least Giggsy was better of like hiding it while he was like a legit footballer, you know. Like, yeah, obviously, like don't don't cheat on your wife or significant other because that's an asshole move. And but don't if, fuck your brother's wife. That's weird. Yeah, but if if you must, if you can't keep it in your pants, and that's not an excuse. I, at least spare your partner and don't don't fucking get caught, you know. Especially because you're up. Let's be honest. He's England starting right back. He he did pretty well against Mbappe at the World Cup. You feel me? And you know he wins all this shit with Manchester City. Like you're Kyle Walker. You can't walk down the street. Like you know who you are. Like fucking be better. First, be a better human being, and then if you have to be a piece of shit and cheat, like, don't get caught. Yeah, exactly. And there's not really much I can add to that, Eddie. Um, but we'll see what happens, uh, what what comes out of it. Be sure we'll give you an update about this and the dicking around. But, Eddie, <laughs> let's move on to um, a, a whole nother organization that likes to dick around, uh, a team that got caught with their dick out. Uh, let's talk about Spurs. Their mascot is a cock, after all, so it's all fitting. Yeah. Eddie, Tottenham Hotspurs. After recent years, the signing of Conte as manager – Signing Richardson over the summer, Porro, you know, a couple months ago. They're not doing that hot, are they? Um, no. They're out of the Champions League as of time of recording with Milan pulling the ultimate um, Italian job. They lost 1-0 to Wolves last time out in the league. They're currently sitting fourth, but not convincingly, Eddie. They are a game ahead of Liverpool, who could overtake them if they win the game in hand. That's two points ahead of Newcastle, or I'm sorry, two games more than Newcastle, four points ahead of them, so easily can be overtaken by Newcastle. I guess I shouldn't say easily, but it's plausible, it's possible. And we talked about Brighton earlier uh, with the Caicedo's chat. Um so much going on, Eddie. A lot of disappointment, a lot of underachieving. And before I let you give us your, your take, Eddie, because I know how much you love Spurs, I want to give you some quotes. I I want to give you some quotes. Um, I know you guys can't see that, but you basically just gave me the bird. You know, gave me another cock. But um, I'm going to give you some quotes that I've been saving all day 
just to kind of get your reactions and your take, I have three in total, um, obviously Spurs-related, Eddie. So let's start with the first one. Um, Danny Rose. Uh, do you recall? He's currently at Watford, um, you know, not doing anything great, but he still, um, plays. He, he still plays. But he mostly does um, like appearances and shit. You know, he was on the Football Daily, for example. You know, today during the game. But um, if just in case you don't recall, Eddie, let me bring, or maybe even the fans listening at home. Um, Danny Rose plays played for Tottenham. On the season that they had their All or Nothing um, oh, documentary God. for Amazon, what happened to be a season that he fell out of favor. Um, and there were rumors, just rumors, media rumors, that AC Milan were interested in him. Um, there's an infamous scene where he goes to Danny Levy saying, well, what about Milan? Because they're trying to sell him off to Newcastle, I think. And Levy had to break the news to him that Milan haven't actually made an offer for him. But anyway, this is somebody who said, uh, quote, I heard Daniel Levy said something about the signings haven't been great. It's bizarre that because I'm sure I said something like that six years ago and got fined two weeks of wages. But here we are. End quote. Um, I'm not saying he's wrong, Eddie. But how are you feeling about sincere criticism about signings from Daniel Levy? Well, see, like, here's the thing, because, like, Kulisevsky came in, was on fire for, like, what was it, 12, 13 games where he either, like, scored or assisted or, like, just played really good football, right? And then, like, he picked up a knock and tapered off. Fine. That happens. And then Richarlison comes in from Everton, plays well, goes to a World Cup, scores the best goal in the World Cup, and now he can't get playing time off the bench. So, and like, let's be real. Harry Kane, beast. Everyone knows I love Min Son. Like, I, I think he's world class. I don't give a fuck what people say. Min son for life. Um, so in, it's definitely not that they have shit players. Um, so therefore, in my opinion, it has to fall on Conte not coaching or like not wanting to coach. Like, I don't know what it is. He's already talking about like, oh, um, uh, you know, they might fire me before my contract is up in June. And it's like, bro, you still have time to fix this. You feel me? Definitely. I mean, you would think at least, right? Like, I don't know, man. I think um, I do believe now, I don't think, that Spurs is a cursed club. Um, I mean, at this point, like, what, what worse, how much worse can it get, right? Like, like I said, it's it wouldn't be a surprise if they missed out on Europe based on performances. Their best players are being linked away. They're signing, you know, these players with big expectations, and they're just not performing. Eddie, let me give you the second quote. Okay. Okay. Excuse me. This is from Richarlison, everybody's favorite pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, he was interviewed after the game, and he was very critical of Conte. I want to put out there. He said, we can't be set up like this. One goal down in the second half, way too passive. Got to attack with more people. Uh, he has a point. Conte ends up taking off an attacker for a defender. You know, not really going for the jugular. Do you think Richarlison is out of pocket for that? No, no, absolutely not. Because, like you said, David, we're down. Who cares if we end up losing 1-0 on aggregate? We still lost. But, okay, let's say we get our goal and lose 2-1. Like, we get caught trying to go for the winner, right? The fans who are the most important part of the club because they're the ones who pay the tickets, the season passes, they're the ones who travel to the away days, etc., etc., at least they could say, like, fuck, it sucks that we lost. But we went for it, you know? So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, does it matter that, oh, they only beat us 1-0? But it's like, did you even try to score? <laughs> you uh, know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, before I go on to the third quote, Eddie, um, I just need to kind of confirm here if, if we're the same kind of guy. Would you rather be down 1-0 from the 10th minute and then just lose 1-0 or be down 1-0 from the 10th minute? But at at least at the very latest, at the 60th minute, go all out attack to draw and then lose 2-0. Uh, David, you've seen me play FIFA, so uh, yes. Uh, so, no, yeah, uh, look. Especially in, like, okay, <clears throat> in the league or whatever, I may look at goal difference, I, I may look at who's around us, but in a cup-style competition, you you got to go for it, like, you know? Yeah, you got you to gotta go for it, I agree. Might as well. If you lose 1-0 at a competition and you weren't attacking all out, there's something more wrong with you than there is with us and David can can I bring up a point Um, I can't remember exactly when I said it but I said that I hated that Chelsea team that kind of ran Conte off the season after he won them the league but I mean if, if this is Conte's sort of behavior in crunch time like it's not May, right? It's not the end of the season, but we are in March, so we're getting towards the end. And there's something obviously very wrong, and he, it sounds like he's not willing to fix it, and that bothers me. So if I assess Fabregas and all those boys an apology for how they treated Conte, I, I kind of get it now, you know? Okay. Yeah, no, I, I can feel that. and. My third quote, it's not going to be exactly a quote uh, because it's two quotes put together and it's kind of fucking long to do for a podcast. Okay. So I'm going to give you the gist of it. Okay. Um, it's again, Richard Lisson, everybody's favorite pigeon. I'm never going to stop saying that. Um, so basically he's asked about, you know, if he would have liked to come in sooner considering, you know, he... Um, started off the bench, right? He got put in pretty late. 
Um, he mentions that Conte told him that as long as you know he can do the test, do a test at the training ground, and he comes out healthy, he was going to start the match. He ends up benching him against Wolves. You know, he got benched after winning against West Ham and Chelsea. Now, they asked him about, or he mentioned, you know, he basically does this with no explanation. So he's asked, uh, again, like, so he didn't speak to you, didn't explain why. And he said he didn't explain anything. And I guess he'll see what happens tomorrow. Um, He's saying he's not an idiot. He's a professional. And he just wants to play, you know. So so why not give him minutes? Um, Eddie... Again, my my starting point question again will be, and you can take it from here, was Richardly said not a pocket for saying what he said. So usually I would say yes, but um with Conte himself even saying that he feels like he's gonna be fired or he has to get to June um before he makes a decision on whether or not to sign the extension in in North London. I feel like the writing's pretty clearly on the wall that he's not gonna um sign his extension and that he'd rather Levy fire him so he doesn't have to be the manager at Tottenham anymore. And Richarlison literally just came into the team. So he probably has the security of like it doesn't matter who the manager is. I'm going to be here at least one more season. So I'm, I have no problem with him actually saying that. I mean, should he say that? No, but he obviously feels some type of way. No, yeah, I, I'm all for him saying that because you're right. He's going to be at Spurs longer than Conte, whether it's on Conte's terms or on Levy's terms. But Eddie, those were my three quotes. Would you mind me throwing a stat at you? Because I kind of want to go back to the first quote by referencing to the stat. Um, Are you ready for it? Go ahead. Antonio Conte has failed to win a Champions League knockout game for over 10 years now. His last win was against Celtic. Uh, the 6th of March of 2013. The teams he's managed since then is Juventus, Chelsea, Inter Milan, and obviously Spurs. To tie it back to the first quote, Eddie, and the whole criticism on the squad by Daniel Levy and you know Danny Rose having something to say about it, should the blame actually go to Danny Levy? Um... He hired Conte. First off, David, um, <clears throat> excellent setup to an excellent question. So, bravo to you. Um, applausos, applausos, you feel me? Um, so, uh, let's, let's be honest here, David. And I'm going to start answering your question with a question back to you. Two questions. Do you feel that Levy let Pochettino go at the right time? Mm, Yes and no. I mean, 
the Pochettino sort of peak with Spurs. I think he peaked with that squad. Fair. Um, and that's why I have to lean a little bit towards no as well, because the other option would have been trust the squad. Yep, gut the squad and start over with the same philosophy. And Levy opted to just change the manager to try to fit this squad. But it, obviously, it's not working out the way he thought it would. Second question, David. Did Levy give Mourinho enough time? Before you answer, remember that Mourinho actually got them to a cup final, and he's known for winning cups, and then he fired him right before that cup final. So I was going to say, I'm not going to say that he was necessarily in the wrong for switching from Mourinho, but I am going to say that the timing was 100% wrong. Okay. Mourinho is a winner. He's a serial winner. He should have allowed Mourinho to lead Spurs to that cup final. An interim manager is not going to win you a cup final. If it's done, it's done out of pure luck and the miracle. But it's not going to happen with, um, was it? Um, uh, Scott Parker. Was it? I don't think so. I think it, it was um, It was one of their former players. Scott Parker. Uh, it's going to bother me. Uh, is this Scott? Ryan Mason. It was Ryan Mason. Oh. Uh, Ryan apologies. Mason. Yes. Yeah, because he, he had to retire because of a skull fracture. Okay. Uh, that's how I remembered. Okay, anyway, so, um, yeah, not, he's not going to win you the cup. I don't give a fuck. He's not even a legendary player. Like Zidane, I could understand. There was always talk about how smart he was as a player, how he understood tactics like no other, so it kind of made sense. But with it, the, I didn't hear that about Ryan Mason. No, and like no offense to Ryan Mason, he played in, in the prom, you know, so that's not easy. Um, but so thank you, David. So here's my answer. Yes, I 100% blame uh, Daniel Levy. I agree with you. Um, he should have refreshed the squad after losing that Champions League final uh, and kept Poch. And then B, he fired Mourinho at the worst moment. <laughs> I understand league form wasn't great, but it's a, it's a fucking final. And then... And then before bringing in Conte, he had to, like, they were linked with, like, six dudes before they gave Nuno the starting job and poor Nuno. Where is Nuno today? <laughs> well, it's, you're right. Um... So, <laughs> so, so, yes, to me, this all falls on Daniel Levy. And look, I know I know Harry Kane has been great for Tottenham, all-time leading scorer, probably going to break the all-time prime record with Tottenham. But think about the money he could have invested into the squad had he let Harry Kane go to Manchester City. You feel me? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Um... 
Eddie, before we move on, because um, I, I do think Spurs don't don't deserve the time we're giving them, <laughs> just straight up. Um, if you can recall, uh, I do believe Antonio Conte was quick to dismiss Spurs when they initially tried to sign them. Mm-hmm. Um, when they went back for him and they were able to sign him, it was mostly because kind of like nobody else wanted to take a chance on Conte. Says, ah, right, fuck it, I'll go to Spurs. Uh, do you think that on its own was the writing on the walls that this is not going to go the way that you know Daniel Levy would have hoped? Well, uh, I kind of now that you threw that stat at me, right? The Conte hasn't won a like knockout game in the Champions League in 10 years. Like, I I think other teams, good teams, or at least decently run teams, kind of took a look at that and was like, wait, like, any manager can, could get us to decent form in the league, but if we're a Champions League club, like, we need someone who's going to help us at least get out of, out of the round of 16. You feel me? So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, the writing was definitely on the wall then. And Eddie, let's move on to another team that likes to talk a lot of shit, but is obviously, you know, in turmoil. Let's talk about Chelsea real quick here, Um, which normally I feel like in the normal timeline, Chelsea wouldn't necessarily be a topic, Um, but they're a topic this week, Eddie. And I wanted to make sure they were a topic this week for a few very specific reasons. Um, Can I just run down them with you real quick go ahead all right so first of all let's talk about nostra fucking joel felix Thomas. um he said uh that kai havertz will score he said he will score against dortmund um kai havertz scoring a retaken penalty after hitting the post with the first one um eddie is joel a fucking witch or did Harry Graham Potter finally figure out the right spell? Now, you know exactly where I'm going to land on this. Uh, Joel Felix is our prince, so he, of course, deserves all the credits, all the plaudits, and fucking Kai Havertz. What the fuck are you doing? Straight up hitting the post and then getting lucky that that there was a encroachment into the box like what's wrong with you a super controversial encroachment that jude bellingham is still talking about you know to this day um having pushed Cucarella and a cameraman post-match um which i gotta say i fucking love bellingham um i think he will be the mr england for the next decade i i my opinion but uh, Eddie, another player who came up for them was Raheem Sterling, a player I personally love to criticize. But uh, do you think that Raheem deserved that goal based on how hard he's been trying to win over Chelsea fans? Yes, and uh, like like we discussed Raheem beforehand, like right when his move to Chelsea was announced and like, like, you brought up all these stats. Do you remember, David, where it's like Raheem actually scores a fuck ton, but because he was on Manchester City, like, we, we barely noticed, right? So, I'm yeah. super happy for Raheem. Uh, like, 
He seems like a great dude, a dude that I would root for if he wasn't on Chelsea, and a, a dude I genuinely, genuinely like to have a beer with. So, Eddie, um, again, another reason he has to be a topic now is Chelsea is because um, he's getting the backing from his players. Uh, players such as Kai Havertz after the game saying that, you know, a lot of, you know, managers in England think they can do his job, um, but that he's actually a big personality and really, you know, the, he's really the right guy to, to move this team forward. Do you think that's Kai Brown nosing? Do you think that's a sincere feeling? Do you agree with with it at all? Um, ab- about Graham Potter, look, he's an excellent manager, but I I really really think that the majority of these signings were made without him, him being consulted. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it genuinely feels like that because uh, think about it. Like, take Mudrick for example. Yeah. It seems like only Pep and Potter have the balls to sit players that are worth a hundred million because any other manager would be like, Mudrick has to play, and Potter's like, no, like fuck it, like w- when you play, we lose. So you're going to sit on the bench and fucking like, you know what I mean? So um, that has to count for something. And let's be real. um, The manager at Brighton now was set up really well because that's basically Potter's team still, you know, Mm -hmm. minus Cucurella and, and Trossard. So, I mean, it's just Chelsea has a bigger microscope on them than Brighton does. So, of course, he's going to be criticized, you know? Fair enough, Eddie. Fair enough. Uh, Before we go on to our next planned topics, because really I wanted to talk about Joao Felix more than anything. Um, Eddie, I'm going to sneak something into you, into this lineup, because um, I'm sure you're excited about the next topic. Um, At least I am. But um, Chelsea have technically a game in hand. Even if they win that game in hand, they're stuck in 10th place. You know, <laughs> they would theoretically be a point behind Brentford uh, because they have 34, Brentford have 38. But, Eddie, <laughs> Brentford are on 38 points. They've got two games in hand. If they were to win both games, they would have 44 points, uh, which would take them to fifth place, one point behind Spurs. Is Brentford a dark horse we're refusing to talk about? Uh, I feel like the only reason we're refusing to talk about Brentford is because we don't know what's going on with Ivan Tony. because it's like, is he going to be suspended? Is he not going to be suspended? I feel like it, if we knew that, um, we would all be paying more attention to Brentford. And look, uh, remember, they beat the crap out of you guys early on in the season. I believe they beat Arsenal and uh, 
I can't remember if they beat Chelsea. They probably did. So it's not like they're out here getting lucky. It's just their future's up in the air with their best player um, potentially not being available. Fair enough. Um, And I do agree with that. I think, uh, excuse me, Tony is um, their best player by a long shot. And they will definitely miss him if he's gone. But, Eddie, let's talk about Football Club Barcelona. Uh, Barca, your team, who, you know, uh, last time we recorded, we brought up, you know, the FTS derby was happening. Manchester United ended up moving on from the uh, Europa League tie, winning 4-3. Barcelona returned to the league to lose 1-0 to Almeria, but bounce back with a 1-0 away win to Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey first leg. A 1-0 win against Valencia. But with all that, Eddie, there's no escaping. Barcelona are fucking cheaters. Um, How does it feel as a fan, Eddie, to be facing the ref scandal that's going on? Um. Well, first off, David, let me be magnanimous in defeats in congratulating you on winning the first ever FTS Derby. Um, Thank you. God, we fucking suck. We we, we couldn't get more than a penalty against you guys. Um, anyway, uh, David, I'm I'm conflicted because like the football purist in me is like I I can't believe we fucking did that shit. Like we're fucking stupid for trying that shit and then like the fan in me is like everybody does it we just got caught everybody does it (laughs) and it's like like, okay that's true everybody who can afford to do it probably does it but the point still stands we got caught and that's no good um so i'm i'm worried i'm worried that we'll be relegated i'm worried that points will be deducted um, I'm I'm worried that we won't make Champions League because of that, and we know how oh, bad this club needs Champions League. So I'm I'm super worried. I know the Spanish government brought charges against us yesterday, and uh, I'm I'm gonna say this now. I defended Laporte a lot because he was in charge during the club's most successful period. He's just better than Bartolomeu, or at least he was until this. And and I I totally understand that once again this happened under Bartolomeu's watch. But I don't think he's handling the situation correctly. But if you were Laporte, David, how would you handle this? I mean I think I think that there's no right way to handle this, Eddie. Because what are you going to do? You're either going to try to fully deny it and the evidence might show otherwise, or Mm -hmm. you're going to come clean and you're going to be labeled a cheater for the rest of your career. There's no winning in this. Um, I do think the right thing to do is to just come come forward with what is 100% the truth with receipts. But yeah, you know, we we all know that's not gonna happen. And Eddie, this this controversy, you kind of mentioned it. Like you, you, everybody knows 
Barcelona needs to for sure go to the Champions League. And we all know it's due to the um, compensation teams get for making the Champions League. The levers. It's it's, it's all about the levers. Eddie, as a fan, so like, as as a fan of a different football club, Eddie, I feel like I could handle one major catastrophe at a time, right? Like right now, it's just our owners. I, I don't know how I f- would be able to handle if we also had like, oh, your owners suck, but they also paid off reps. They also don't have enough money to keep the club running. Eddie, how do you feel knowing that not only is there controversy with the whole we cheated, maybe not, but we fucking cheated with reps. And at the same time, wondering, is there enough finances to keep us going the next five seasons? So, uh, first off, um, blinders. Um, Have to put the blinders on like I'm a racehorse. Right now, I'm fully focused on we have to win the league. Especially now that we've been branded cheaters. Because if we don't win the league, look at that. You cheat and you can't even win the league. So I'd rather win the league and be like, oh, you won the league because you cheat. But at least we cheated all the way to win, <laughs> you know? And then my, my biggest concern is, like, are we going to be able to keep Pedri and Gavi? Because if we don't, what the fuck are we doing? Can we get someone to take Ferran Torres off our hands? Because if we can't, oh, my God. I, I, I literally can't take another season. With him in the squad, like I just I can't do it. So it's I'm I'm very singularly focused on. Um, I'm gonna put this on wax. I would rather lose the second leg of the Copa del Rey three four five nil, but beat Madrid on the nineteenth and win this league. So right now, um. I'm fully focused on the league, but David, I want you to remember this question and ask me in July when we don't have topics. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. And if Barcelona is still a club, then it would definitely come up as a topic. <laughs> um. <laughs> that's a good joke, but the sad fact is like that might be true. <laughs> Oh, it's all good, Eddie. I mean, at the beginning of the pod, I did say we were not going to talk about personal problems, but Eddie, are you ready to talk about some personal problems? Um. Okay. All right. So, look, can I take over? For, can I take over for just a second? Absolutely. Okay. So, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. A cup is a cup. Congratulations, David, on winning the Carabao Cup. I think it's great that you have silverware under Ted Hogg. Um, It it proves that whatever he's doing is working. That being said, what the fuck happened this weekend? David, set it up for the people. What were you doing this weekend for Manchester United? Bro, okay. So... Uh, for the Derby, which uh, it happened on sun on a Sunday, March fifth. Uh, I woke up 
and woke my family up to head out to Los Angeles, California for the first ever I Love United uh, event. Which, Eddie, I'm going to tell you what I've been telling fucking everybody that will listen to me. Tell that me. was the worst fucking experience I've ever had. And I'm not even, bro, I'm not even talking like, oh, you know, United lost. So I made it my personality to let that affect my mood. Like, no, that's not even it, bro. Like, tell me because what we, it actually, is. we actually haven't discussed this. So tell me what happened. Bro, so, okay, so this isn't my first fucking rodeo going to events, right? Like, my first footy event was uh, besides, like, oh, I am going to go to this bar or location to go with other United fans and watch this shit, right? Like, I've done a ton of those, like, nonstop, random locations. But I've been to the NBC Premier League mornings. I've been to the LA Coliseum to watch the last... Uh, last season, Liverpool at Anfield taking on Man United where we lost, right? But tons of fans, you know, tons of food everywhere, food trucks everywhere. They even had alcohol available everywhere. And big event, it's the LA Coliseum, right? Mm-hmm. The I Love United event, Eddie, was at um, the Row. Do you know what the row in downtown LA is? David, are you trying to tell me this event was at Skid Row? It was a few blocks from Skid Row. It's what this the random fuck? it's this random fucking parking structure and random building in the middle of downtown LA where it's supposed to be restaurants and shopping, but they limit it to one little small section. They had one food truck for all the fans. Um, it was the size, Eddie. I'm trying to think. Mm. Bro, have you been to the, um, the Michoacana right there in DHS at the Stater Brother Plaza? Yes, I have. Just two of those back to back, long wise. Shut the That's fuck up. That's how big the place was. Yeah. David, r- real quick, let me help you set this oh, up for the people. Let me finish. Let okay. me finish, Eddie. They had one bar for VIP only. And the only way you can get into VIP is by either being Andy Cole and Diego Forlan or being somehow involved with one of the sponsors. Because otherwise, I would have just bought VIP tickets for me and my family. But nope. Um, it was the worst fucking experience, Eddie. I made it to halftime, and I begged my wife to let us leave. Okay. Okay, David. So um, I was trying to set that up for the people. I was I was going to be like, David, tell the people who were at the event. And obviously, you said it, Diego Forlan and... Um, Andy Cole. Oh. Andy Cole, thank you. Um, David, did the organizers spend all the money on getting Diego Forlan and Cole to this event? Well, first of all, as a, as a Manchester United fan, and honestly, I am an England sympathizer. I want to see the English national team do well um, just because Manchester United does well. 
Um, yeah. Um, Eddie, I'm going to be straight up here. Um, I did not give a fuck about Andy Cole. Um, <laughs> like, no fucks to give. So I think all the money went to Diego Forlan. <laughs> Okay, so I because, fanboyed. I fanboyed over Diego Forlan. I'm not gonna be, lie. Because he, <laughs> like, like I was, because obviously, like, like pulling the curtain back. Like David's one of my best friends. We text every day. I was waiting for you to take a picture, maybe with your wife and your kids around Forlan, you know. And I never got that picture, and I was like, well. Maybe, like, the line is too long or he's too worried because it is the derby, you know? So I I tuned in right when Casimiro's goal was called offside and then Gakpo scored halftime hit. I said, I have to work out. And so I was like, I'm going to have hella text from David when, when I finish my workout. I had, we left at halftime and what the fuck happened? And I checked the score, and then obviously that happened. So, David, was this organized by, like, an ASB in high school, or what the fuck? Bro, that's what it feels like. If not, it was organized by Liverpool fans. Because for us, <laughs> I love you. Like, bro, I love United event. There were, like, people in Madrid jerseys and Liverpool jerseys. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? I thought this was a United fan thing. Um, <laughs> Again, worst fucking experience compared to like, because I'm, I'm like, I've been to these kind of events, you know, yeah. fan events. So definitely a letdown. Um, but that's besides the scoreline. Eddie, I know we have to talk about the scoreline, even though that at time of recording, United are at the uh, pretty much at the brink of playing Betis in the Europa League. Uh, but Eddie, so here's my take. Barcelona okay. did have a great run of form. Or not Barcelona, I'm sorry. Man United had a great run of form, which kind of peaked versus Barcelona, uh, which is why I mixed it up. Against um, Newcastle in the final, I'm going to let you know right now, Eddie, that was not a comfortable win besides the scoreline you know, being 2-0. If Newcastle were more lethal, we would have fell behind very early on in that game. We obviously, defensively, we have a lot to work on. Against West Ham, it was sweaty the whole FA, uh, during that FA Cup tie. Um, if you're a little bit behind or just don't care about the FA Cup, West Ham led that game at the 54 minute 1-0. If it were not for the own goal that West Ham scored, we wouldn't even have the chance to score not only at the 90th minute, but an extra time. Because obviously West Ham had a push for the equalizer. So again, the cracks were there in all seriousness. uh, Which leading into the Liverpool game, Eddie, they were lethal. Um, the first half that, that I was watching there, like United had some strong chances. Um, if Liverpool was going to score, it's because they had to get the shot on target, not necessarily because they weren't playing well. Um, 
you know, having them score was it was a forty third minute Eddie the very at the very end of the first half. Once Gakpo scored that goal and I saw how free he was, I had flashbacks to both the final and the FA Cup, and I said, you know what, this doesn't feel good. Um, so it wasn't too much of a surprise to see 7-0. I'm not saying, you know, based on form that Liverpool deserves 7-0. But against a deadly team, they have world-class players. Gakpo, world-class. Nunez, world-class. Salah, world-class. Firmino, world-class. They're going to put those chances away. And that's exactly what Liverpool did. Uh, United went into a panic. And they couldn't salvage a single thing from that game, in my opinion. But that's just me. So, David, you said everything really, really excellent there. I can't really add too much. So um, I wanted to talk about two players in in particular and give me your, your, your thoughts on their performance and what you would do with them if, if you were to talk. Maybe three. Okay. First off, I... I don't think we can start anywhere else, but besides your captain, David, uh, from what what I'm seeing, because I've obviously watched the replay. Um, where's the effort from your captain? Like, your captain should be the last player to hang his head, and he seemed very. I just want this to be over. I'm gonna hang my head. They're fucking killing us. Can I get your thoughts on on Bruno Fernandes? Uh, I'm going to get murdered on this, most likely. But this is my honest take, Eddie. I don't think it was a matter of, like, fuck this or, you know, I don't want to do any of this. I think it was a matter of he was set up to fail and he knew he was pretty much screwed. There was very little he had control over. The reason I say this, Eddie, is he's being played wide left, right? So he's supposed to not only be our creative attacking force, but also defend against Mohamed Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold. That's not including the space being exposed by Harvey Elliott and Fabinho. Eddie, okay. he got set up to fail. Okay, I I very very much agree that Bruno is a ten, and you shouldn't pay, play him out wide. He does not have the pace to play out wide. So that I do, but David, at at some point, right? Maybe after four, a lot of people would say after three no. Shouldn't he just turn and be like, boys? We're fucking parking the bus. I will not let this go over three or four. Uh, I think that's an Eric Ten Hag job. Um, I wouldn't doubt that crossing Bruno's mind, but I also wouldn't doubt Bruno saying, I can't undermine the gaffer. Um, I have captained a team that frustrated me before, saying, like, fuck this, I don't want to do this. But uh, the coach was very good about saying, like, no, like, that's not why I trust you with captaincy. If anything, he said, override my tactics and put yourself in the middle and try to fix it from the field. 
right? Okay. So I feel that although he would have probably gotten his head ripped off by Ten Hog, I think if once he realized, not even, and you're generous, Eddie, by setting at 4 0, 5 0, I think that basically by 2 0, 3 0, based on how they were playing, he should have told Rashford, hey, you play on the wing, you have the pace, we'll push uh, Weghorst up, and I'll go slide into the number 10 role. And if yeah. Ten Hog wanted to rip his head off after the game, fuck it. But at least everybody was more in a natural position. And they could counter the pace of a Mohamed Salah, of a Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think also, Eddie, Anthony, he started... Honestly, I thought he started off really well. He played very strongly. He attacked well. But he kind of fell off after a while. Um, I think Jaden Sancho, honestly, I would have started him. I would have. Um, he didn't even come off the bench, but I think Jaden would have been able to counter Darwin and Robertson. Okay, fair, fair. And then David, the the next player I'm I want to talk about is uh your namesake, David De Gea. I personally don't see too many of the goals where he could have done something. But should a player of his caliber have played better, maybe positioned himself better? And is it time for somebody to take over Manchester United's number one shirt? Uh, that's a lot of question, Eddie. So I'll, I'll start with the first half. Um, very little to blame on De Gea. Maybe, like, would his position, could his positioning have been better? Eddie, you could say that about any keeper. Any Not keeper. True. Even on the save. On the save, you can be like, hey, if you were a little bit more, you know, angled this way, it would have been an easier save. I think that's too much of an easy criticism to throw at a goalkeeper. So, I don't mean to be that guy, but no, no, no answer to that. What I do believe, Eddie, is um, Luke Shaw and Diego Dalo have a lot to think about. Uh, Luke Shaw, although he was showing great form, was exposed like no tomorrow against Liverpool. Um, I think a potential world-class fullback should be able to read a game enough to say, uh, the player in front of me, so Bruno Fernandes, he's basically there to drift into the number 10 role eventually. Um, I need to stay back and defend. He should be able to read the game, you know, as, as the expression go, read the room. But he obviously didn't do that. He exposed the hair way too much. Uh, I think Diego Dalo. The reason he keeps starting is because he contributes a, a great amount to the attack. I, I cannot knock him for that. But he's just a defensive liability, in my opinion. And I think a big game like this, if you're going to take a gamble on Luke Shaw and Bruno Fernandes uh, going down that left, you have to play someone more defensive like Aaron Wambasaka on the right. But at least those are that. That's just my tactics, you know, my my opinion. Okay, uh, 
that's a great point, David. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Um, but um, David, you kind of mentioned him there in your explanation. But the last player I kind of want to point at is Luke Shaw. Um, I I think I'm gonna have to say this. Um, last year against Liverpool at Anfield, shite. Um, this year, um, at Anfield, I, I don't know if you could blame the whole performance on him, but, I mean, from 5-0 to 7-0, not great. Can you trust him in big games? I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of where I am by, like, self-reflection, right? Like, at a certain point, um he will have to accept that he might not be better uh, than a rotation-like player. He's great against lower opposition, but could we trust him against a you know motivated Liverpool? Could we trust him against, a maybe even PSG or Bayern Munich? I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get convinced that, no, we cannot. But uh, that happens, you know. That's football. It's not like, you know, I would. I'm not trying to say sell Luke Shaw today, but I am trying to say maybe we should get somebody in that can handle the bigger games and use Luke Shaw for rotation. Uh, whether and he then, likes that or not, not my problem. And then David, one final Manchester uh, United question, and then I promise I will. End your misery by moving on. Um, but um, you are now David Ten Hag. What would you be doing this week in training? What would David do to make sure the shit doesn't happen again? Uh, I think, honestly, a lot of uh, one-on-one coaching. Because this wasn't lost as a team. This was lost as individuals within the team. Um, I do think some of the responsibility falls on Bruno as much as I want to defend him. But, um, you know, he could have kicked back a little bit more rather than bombard forward. Um, you know, our, our defense could have been better. Uh, you know, they stopped following the the tactics from Tehagi eventually, but not the way that you and I have talked about and intended. They basically just collapsed as a whole. So a lot of uh, one-on-one coaching and then ending the training all together kind of say, it's like, all right, we all need to figure ourselves out individually, but this is where we come together and this is how. But at least that is the way that um, I would want to do it. But uh, Eddie, I do think it's time to move on, not because I want to avoid talking about the 7-0, but... We have one more section, Eddie, that we want to go through here, um, kind of referring to it as dream team. And it's not that we're going to give you our dream 11. It's more of players, Eddie, that you and I have identified as very likely to get a move uh, based on rumors, based on links, based on all that fun jazz. And the team that we think they should look at as their dream team to move to, whether it be to improve their careers. Maybe they were just, we just want them to win a trophy. It's 
up to us to, you know, make that point. Eddie, are you ready to uh, go over these players? Yes, I. you can go ahead and start, David, so you can kind of set it up. But I have one very specific player in mind, but uh, go ahead. All right, let's do it. So, Eddie, the, the first, I have three players total. The first player that I okay. am going to start with is, uh, my, in my opinion, the golden boy of the next decade is Jude Bellingham. Uh, the midfielder currently playing his trade at uh, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, he is a captain there. Um, has led the team out before. Uh, only 19 years old, turning 20 uh, mid-year in June. Eddie, there's tons of links of him from Liverpool to Real Madrid, uh, Manchester United, Manchester City. Uh, all these teams, Eddie, as much as it hurts to say, I am in the opinion that he can slide into this Liverpool team start games, dominate games, and really prove his worth. Um, I think the next best team, I just don't think they'll sign him because, number one, he's going to cost a lot of money. But number two, it's not necessarily a sexy position to sign with. I think the next best team for him would be Paris Saint-Germain. No. Um, he'll get the chance to dominate the league and step it up in the Champions League. And that's where he would earn. Do PSG step up in the Champions League? No, I'm not talking PSG. I'm talking Jude Bellingham. Uh, I don't think they'll do it as a team. But he's definitely one where they'll look at and be like, well, shit, at least he didn't cost the team the loss. You know what I mean? He will just make himself look even better than he does now. Eddie, what's your dream team for Jude Bellingham? Um... Liverpool, for obvious reasons, he seems to have chemistry for with uh, Henderson. He is coming from Borussia Dortmund, which is Klopp's former club, so they still kind of maintain a similar philosophy. Um, but other than that, to give a um a different answer, d- just to be different, um, not Chelsea because he wouldn't get any playing time. Outside of, like, the first month. Um, how about you... Well, I, I did hear a rumor that his dad was meeting with Real Madrid this week. Yeah. So, as much as I would hate that shit, because he would dominate, um, uh, I, I could see him at the Bernabeu. I mean, I can too, but with Camavinga, you know, uh, Modric still getting minutes, um, Chomeni, um, Cruz still getting minutes, uh, Ceballos being there. I'm not saying he can't cut it, but I'm if I were Jude, I wouldn't say it's ideal, if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah, but look, Tony's gone pretty much. Modric still says he wants to play, which you let Luka Modric play as long as he wants. And, like, let's be fair here. Um, he may not be better than Camarillo, but he's definitely better than Ceballos. Yeah. No, he is. Uh, at least 
I will fucking back that all the way through. Ceballos, at best, he's a good rotation player at absolute best. And you're Fair. pretty delusional if you think otherwise. Um, and that's my opinion, and I will absolutely stick with it. Eddie, let's talk about a different player. Um, a player that I personally enjoy, uh, Victor Osimhen of Napoli. The links just never end. Um He's being linked with Manchester United um, pretty much every other day. Um, but he's playing well for Napoli, helping lead this Napoli team to a potential Sudetu, uh, maybe even a Champions League. Eddie, where do you think he should go? Not to be boring, but um, I want to see... Him finish it and add another chapter. So, as much as he probably won't, he should stay. He should definitely win the Scudetto uh, this season, which, let's be honest, no one's catching Napoli in Italy um, outside of an absolute catastrophe. And then, think about it, David. I at least, at least right now, have them getting to the final. I don't know if they would win it, but I have them in the final, okay? So, wouldn't you want to see him run it back, get the glory, get the plaudits from the Napoli faithful, and then get the bag? Or am I just being too much of an idealist? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying he shouldn't stay with Napoli. I do think that's his best bet. But uh, I think if, let's say Napoli are saying like, hey, we wouldn't exactly mind you leaving because the money coming in would be nice uh, for reinvestment. Um, Okay. I would say that he would probably benefit Bayern Munich the most. I know I mentioned earlier he's linked with Manchester United, and honestly, at the age of 24, you know, he's still very young. He doesn't turn 25 to the very end of the year in December, like literally the 29th, like the end of the year. Um, hey, me too. There you go. Um, but like, I, I don't think he'll flop in the Premier League, but I am saying he would have better tools and resources with Bayern Munich. Um, it, Bayern Munich haven't necessarily replaced Robert Lewandowski, but Osimhen might be the best option to replace uh, Robert Lewandowski. So why not? You know, um, at least that's just me, Eddie. Would you say I'm kind of talking out of my head? No. I, I, I could definitely see it, especially with Sané, you know, um, suffering that injury in his 30s. You don't know if you're ever going to see uh, top form Sadio Mane ever again. I feel like Sadio Mane would be a great professional to learn from, and I could totally see Ossiman bossing around Dortmund, Hamburg, Leipzig, 
Um, so I feel like Bayern Munich would be a great move for him. Um, yeah, well, we'll see what happens, City, when the transfer window opens. But one last player from my end, you know, you, you mentioned you have someone on your end. Uh, let's talk about um, everybody's second favorite English player, Ari Kane. Harry Kane, always being linked with the move, um, always being talked about, you know, going to a team where he can actually win a trophy. Eddie, what do you, what team do you think would be ideal for Harry Kane? The only ideal team for Harry Kane, in my view, would be outside of England at, at this point because I don't feel like Daniel Levy would let him leave. So, I mean, it would be up to Harry. Uh, well, let, let, me re- let me restate. Daniel Levy isn't letting him leave for another English club. So he would have to go, he would have to go to like Nice, Marseille, PSG, uh, Real Madrid. I I can't see him playing for anybody else in England, not under Daniel Levy at least. Yeah. No, definitely. Um Eddie, I think if Daniel Levy would let him go to any team, I honestly think, and this is gonna sound biased as fuck, but I do think Manchester United would be a great fit for him. Um, not because obviously he would be a red double, but um, Harry Kane has the ability to drop into the number ten role and free other players. Uh, one of the reasons, no, he's amazing and not just passing but finishing. But one of the reasons Weghurst, uh, or I'm sorry, Bruno Fernandes was played out of position is so that Weghurst can play in that 10 role for Rashford to be free. By signing Harry Kane, you can get Bruno in the 10 role, keep Rashford up front, and instead of being forced to start that way during the natural game flow, Rashford can cut in, Harry Kane drops back, and frees up Bruno. Um, um, So, um, um, Imagine being played out of position for El Bobo. That's... uh. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, I would be pissed if I'm Bruno too. The fair, <laughs> but again, like that. That's why I feel to fit both sides and to maximize what would be a move. I really do think that uh, Manchester United would be the best fit, but at least that's me. Fair, um, David. So I have one player. In the interest of time, um, and everyone's gonna give me shit for it, but I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> World Cup winner Alexis McAllister to Newcastle. Um, you've heard rumors all this week that the the quote unquote Big Six um want him, United wants him, Tottenham wants him, Liverpool, basically the big boys in England, right? So here's why. <laughs> and I'd be super happy if Alexis McAllister became a Brighton legend. But here's why, right? A, he would get the bag. Which every player, especially a humble player of his caliber, deserves the bag. 
and then B, he would automatically become the most important player on that side, more important than Almiron, Gamaresh, um, what's his name, uh, St. Maximin, uh, so... I feel that for Newcastle to sign a guy of his caliber would guarantee a trophy. I don't know what trophy, but it would guarantee one. Probably. I mean, I think Alexis is an amazing player. Uh, I'm surprised that he didn't get a move to a bigger club besides Brighton. Um, and I'm not just talking like, oh, because he's played well for Brighton. I'm talking about because he plays really fucking well. Like, it has nothing to do with his uh, time at Brighton. I, I honestly believe he's a, a very strong player. Um, you know, keep in mind, he's 24. He's still a worthy investment. Um, he just joined Brighton four years ago, and he's proven himself um, as a great player for Brighton. Granted, he was unknown the first year. But, Eddie, I I think Alexis McAllister right now, at this moment, is the most underrated Premier League player playmaker uh, in the world. Uh, even, actually, I take that back, in the world. He's the most underrated playmaker in the world just because he's playing for Brighton. Oh, agreed. Um, 100%. He is must-watch TV. Eddie, I think Alexis uh, should go to Arsenal. Uh, at least that's just me. I think that uh, instead of trying to pursue Caicedo, they should pursue McAllister because he, I think he would fit the style of play and the players around him will also be able to unlock a McAllister we haven't experienced yet. Could could, could you imagine McAllister feeding balls to uh, Bukayo Saka? Dude, that... I mean, I, I don't want to as a United fan, but as a McAllister fan, again, that's the move to make. I uh, think he he would make the difference, and he would help this Arsenal reach a new level. At least that's just me. Uh, David, real quick then. 12 games left. Do Arsenal hang on? Hmm. Eddie, is, I, I had a feeling this was going to come up. Um, it's really hard not to talk Arsenal based on the fact that they're five points ahead, even on games from City. You mentioned it, 12, 12 games left. Eddie, let, let me ask you something, Eddie. Based on this uh, last Premier League performance, coming from behind to beat Bournemouth 3-0 at literally like one of the last kicks of the game, can you imagine this Arsenal team flopping 
um, towards the end of the season against a lower league team. Uh, Because once you answer that, I'm going to let you know which, how many games they have left, not which exactly, but how many games they have left against arguably big teams that can theoretically, honestly, shave points off them. Okay. Uh, Can I see Arsenal blowing it, like, for example, against a Southampton? No. Um, or, like, even to be more fair, um, and maybe a bit better competition, can I see Arsenal losing to Fulham? No. Can I see them losing to Man City and, like, that destroying their confidence? Absolutely, yes. Okay, yeah, definitely. I mean... Eddie, so Man City, as you mentioned, that's one of the games left. Uh, actually, more towards the end of the, the season. Eddie, they also play Liverpool uh, in April. Shaky. April 9th, they play Liverpool. Shaky. April 26th, they play City. Yeah. April 29th, they play Chelsea, who can very realistically see an upturn in form. Fair. Uh, May 6th, Eddie, they play Arsenal. Or, sorry, Newcastle play Arsenal. I twisted my teams again. That's that's three points right there, I think. You think so? I mean, Arsenal, at least at time of recording, are technically, very, very technically young in the stress. Still in, in competition for top four. <clears throat> um, Eddie, how about... The very last game of the season. Oh, I'm sorry. Not the very last game of the season, but the third to last game of the season. Brighton. Brighton can shave off points. (laughs) Okay. Let's play this out really quick. Let's say Brighton are in the top four at this time with three games to go. It would mean a lot to both teams. Ooh. Ooh. Wait. Would that game be at the Emirates or at the Amex? That game is at the Emirates. I too close to call. Honestly. Uh, you think so? I I don't think I can see Arsenal getting three points there. I mean, me. I'm. I'm. I'm not saying Arsenal will get three points, but that's why I said you think so. I think Eddie, and willing to put it on wax. I think on May thirteenth, Brighton will go to the Emirates and they will take all three points. Fair. Regardless of what they're competing for, I don't care if they're like, we just want to get to the Conference League. Um, I don't care. Brighton will go to the Emirates May 13th and will take all three points. Fair. Okay. You know what, David? If if we can, if we can, we should make that a watch party game on YouTube. We might have to, just so that I can prove a point and talk shit to all the Gunners fans. Fair. Um, Not to say that they're going to bottle it, but I'm just saying um, David Nostradamus that Brighton will take all three points at the Emirates. Okay, okay. 
But uh, Eddie, with that being said, Dream Team and Alexis McAllister was pretty much the end of what we had planned. Do you have any last words for all of our From the Spot fans? Um, thank you guys for driving the listens up. We appreciate it. David and I both know we haven't been as consistent as we'd like to be. But we're we're working our way back. We we promise. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Hit the motherfucking link tree. It's in the description. Follow us on socials. Uh, play with us on Premier League Fantasy. Talk shit to us. Tell us we're stupid. Just interact. Just let us know. Um, other than that, David, I, I love you. I hope you have a good rest of your week. And let the people know what you need to let them know. Uh, thank you, sir. I love you, too. Um, what I need to let them know is to make sure you follow the link tree. Make sure you follow the socials. Make sure you interact with us. We have no problems featuring your opinions, what you have to say, even if it, it's like you guys are dumb. Yeah. Um, give us a five-star rating. Uh, uh, it'll help us drive us up the charts. It's more of an average algorithm thing, so it'll expose us to more listeners. We definitely appreciate that. Um. Also want to make sure that, you know, if you shared our pod, we definitely appreciate it. If you haven't yet, then just do it before we start sending very passive aggressive comments, but we'll definitely try to get more consistent about it. Um, With all that said, thank you for your lessons. Um, Y'all can definitely handle the pressure. Good night. Good night.